0: Welcome to another episode of Nothing Never Happens, the Radical Pedagogy Podcast. Today we're going to have a conversation with Freedom University, Georgia, the director and three of their students and teachers. Uh, They have important things to tell us about human rights about movement building, about the lives of immigrants in the United States, especially in the U.S. South and in the state of Georgia, and about civil disobedience and about the use of art for social change, about bravery, and about the future we need to bring about now. Okay, welcome to Nothing Never Happens. It is June 16, 2017. We have with us today uh, students and the director, uh, students and teachers, both teachers and students from Freedom University, Georgia. Uh, I'm Tina Pippen, your host. If uh, you could introduce yourselves.
1: Hi, I'm Lady Salinas. What do you do? Oh, I'm a student at Freedom University. (laughs) And a leader. Yes. Yes, a student leader at Freedom University.
2: My name is Laura Emiko Soltis and I'm the Executive Director and Professor of Human Rights at Freedom University.
3: My name is Arisbeth Sanchez. I'm a student at Freedom University and a student leader.
4: My name is Rafael Aragon uh, and I'm a student leader at Freedom University.
0: I really appreciate you being here. This is so exciting to get, um, you know, like, on the ground uh, social justice education that's really doing amazing work for social change and really important social change in these post-November 8th times. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would um, like to welcome my fellow Georgians here. It's good (laughs) to see people in Georgia doing this work. Um, Georgia has been ground zero for a lot of the civil rights movement and a lot of human rights, um, not just civil and political, but social, cultural, and economic rights. Um, And one of those rights comes from Uh, the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights from 1948, which is the right to education, and that is Article 26. Yes. (laughs) So there's a right to education, not just K through 12, but as as you and Freedom University are reminding us, uh, in higher education also. Um, So if I could get you to start, uh, student leaders, if I could get you to start talking about your experience at Freedom University, in classes with the educational philosophy and um, what you came in thinking and how it changed your thinking about education and about your own lives and um, how you, you're going to put together the theories in those classes with actual practice and actions.
4: Okay, <laughs> you guys mind? Go for it. Um, so I came into Freedom University um, not knowing entirely what to expect. I've never been to college, obviously. Um, so I, I had this idea of what college was supposed to be like. Um, and then coming into Freedom University, meeting the professors, uh, going to the classes, meeting the students as well, um, and then knowing that all the other students there were, like me, undocumented, um, it, it was it was a, a bit strange. And then uh, going through the classes, it, it was it was everything but what I could have expected. Uh, there was there was no no real like heavy stress or burden from the classes because of um, the way the classes are ran. Where you know we're not giving grades or tests. It's more so about uh, learning the material because you like what you're learning or because the class that you chose is something that you're passionate about. Um, and so as as a student um, going from um, public high school education, where where it's all about what grades you get uh, and how well you do on standardized tests, um, being able to learn in that kind of environment really stimulated my, my want to be educated.
3: Yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Arisbeth, and um, I started from university actually four years ago, um, so it's been a while. I remember sort of having a similar experience to Raphael, where I stepped into a classroom for the first time with other undocumented students. Um, when I was in high yeah. school, I didn't know buddy, that was undocumented. Nobody mm. talks about it. Um, so it was a very surreal experience. I thought it was a setup with eyes for
4: the, the, the first oh, oh, class,
3: because yeah. uh, <laughs> the <laughs> undocumented people do not congregate. That's just mm-hmm. not something you do in Georgia. Um, but... These four years I've grown a lot. Uh, The consciousness racing that happens at Freedom University is incredible. Uh Uh, Being undocumented, you're isolated from other undocumented people just because you don't talk about it. So that sort of knowledge that um, is spread in other communities and uh, social justice communities is not, um, just doesn't happen when you're undocumented until you find a sort of undocumented community. Um, Mm -hmm. So finding out why the I-word is not to be said, um, uh, the history behind how undocumented came to be, um, and other social justice movements that sort of sprang up in Atlanta and how that can help us in organizing our own movement, Mm -hmm. that's what I learned at Freedom University. Yeah. I'm a lady, and
1: for me it was the social movements that drew me into Freedom University because every time I heard about them, someone was always getting arrested. About Freedom (laughs) University? Yes. Every time I heard about Freedom University, someone was always arrested. And Hmm. it's not that I wanted to get arrested, but something about them going to such an extent for the education of undocumented students spoke to me, and when he who shall not be named was elected it was almost as though i did not have a choice because Mm -hmm. i knew that things were going to get harder that we were going to have to fight twice as Mm -hmm. much as we did in the obama era so i was like sign me up i'm (laughs) gonna do this (laughs) and i walked in and and like like my classmates say it's different to be around a lot of people like you um I was a little bit older, or am a little bit older than they are. So I experienced pre-DACA, like living uh, yeah. and life. And it, it just felt nice to know that here is a new group of students who have hope, who can go out there mm-hmm. and get things done and don't have to give up on their dreams. And I think that's, that's mm-hmm. really important. Could you talk a little bit
0: more about... Um, the arrest part and was there training in nonviolent um, action you know your Freedom University is, is kind of named after and has a connection historically with freedom schools in the 1960s um, so and I know John Lewis has, has been a supporter could you talk a little bit about you know though that history that historical connection and some of the trainings because um, and support for um, those who get arrested because that's really scary stuff uh, in this day and time. you are looking at Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, so I've actually been arrested twice um, okay. with Freedom University. Um, so, I don't even know how much to go into this. <laughs> I know, <laughs> that's a loaded question. Um, yeah. Um,
0: but you had some um, training before that yes with, um, lawyers on hand and bail money and the <laughs> people are nodding maybe
2: can, you can talk can about I, okay. january 9th 2015 your mm-hmm. first action and our first major action at, at freedom okay Union.
3: that sounds good mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. so i remember we had we sort of we were gathered somewhere and sort of talked about finally um Spicing things up we've been <laughs> getting arrested on sidewalks and in Georgia border Regents meetings and it just didn't connect with sort of the history or the, the goal of what Freedom University wanted to do um, so we finally decided that uh, it'd be a good idea to finally get arrested in a classroom because ah. the the visuals behind that is, is, is ac- well, it's actually what's happening we're being banned from being in these mm-hmm. classrooms yeah. we're not being banned from going to Georgia Board of Regents meetings or mm-hmm. walking sidewalks, mm-hmm. so to finally put the the visual with what is actually happening yeah. um, is when the sort of the planning, the the sparks, the mm-hmm. beginnings for the January 9th action, two thousand fifteen, began, and so we we took months just because we this was going to be a little bit different from the actions that we'd had beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, we organized. Um, the visuals, which were from, I forget his name.
2: Oh, David Solnit? Yes,
3: David Solnit. Um, he, so he worked a lot with the with a lot of activists in order to make um, the, the visuals of marches and mm-hmm. uh, sort of protests. Protests, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. he was a, a puppeteer, and so yeah. he had a lot of background in sort of making that visuals um, mm-hmm. spring out. Um, I think it was in the 1999.
2: Yeah, so Battle of Seattle, Battle 1999. Of Seattle. Oh, right. We studied that in, in, mm-hmm. in my human rights class. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and so there was a lot of, um, he, I remember he did, well there was in the class, where there was just a lot of sunshines and turtles and stuff, <laughs> and sort of the police were beating sunshines and turtles, and so it sort of, uh, really emphasized what side was good and bad and sort of just by visuals though and so we decided to incorporate that into this action and we chose Mark Butterflies which is the symbol of migration. I remember that yeah um so there was that planning into the visuals but not only that but also legal help Uh um because we were trying to get um national attention and local attention in order to bring shame on what is happening in Georgia. So we decided that we wanted at least 10 to 15 people arrested. And so just the logistics behind that, we needed pro bono lawyers, we needed legal observers in order to be there. So um, the students or anybody getting arrested um, wouldn't, um, I guess, face... Any sort of trouble with police brutality and anything, mm-hmm. um, also getting them bail, how to get him out of jail, <laughs> um, and sort of the plannings to that um, took quite a few months. But um, oh, social media training—sorry, there's, there's a there's a lot, lot <laughs> of training. <I> know. <laughs> I know. Um, lot. But social media training, making sure that you talk to nobody before the action happens, don't mention it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so three talking points. Three, yeah, three demands that you never <laughs> swerve from um, <laughs> with, so, uh, with like uh, interviewers and mm-hmm. um, the press. Yeah. So in case yeah. they want to ask you something um, controversial, you never, am- never answer. Only mm-hmm. give them what you want them to show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. always go back to those three points. Um, press release. Yeah. Because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we never tell the media that it's going to happen because it's going to attract attention to what is going to happen. So mm-hmm. we, uh, mm-hmm. as soon as it happens, we release a, a press release um, in order to let them know what's going on. So they use the information that, again, we have and only um, we have so they don't manipulate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, logistics. <laughs>
2: rides. Getting rides to the
3: event. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, but we also did like nonviolent civil disobedience training where you know we mm-hmm. have people acting as police. Um yeah. what does it actually feel like when police are in your face, right? And and threatening you. And that actually happened to Adi Speth um mm. at the action. Yeah. Where she has you can't see it's a podcast, but she has a very gentle, kind, smiley face, right? And yes. the police when they walk <laughs> into the room generally look for the person they think is going to break. Right? Um and so the police man went right to Adi Speth's face. She was sitting in a classroom uh, behind a desk wearing her butterfly Mm -hmm. wings. And (laughs) they they had given the order of dispersal, so people who did not want to be arrested left. And there were nine people left in the room. And they were all sitting there. A lot of them were nervous. I I know this because I talked to a lot of the students. There were, I think, uh, four undocumented students and five allies who ended up being arrested that night. And I heard from others, some Mm. like UGA grad students, allies um, planning to get arrested and they were so scared and the police officer went up to Beth's face and said you're going to go to jail if you do not leave right are you ready to go to jail right and it like was up in her face and she smiled and said I'm not leaving <laughs> <laughs> oh. and, and so they arrested her first and to oh. make a point but then other students said that when they saw Beth stand up that mm. they, they felt a lot of strength um, yeah. in what they were doing. Yeah. And that was our the first action organized by Freedom U in terms of mm-hmm. um, a, a kind of different model like Arisbeth had mentioned, where we brought it from um, kind of a national um, script of wearing graduation gowns and at the Board yeah. of Regents, and we took it to the classroom and, and used art and creativity to send yeah. a message of the world that the students wanted, which is to be in the same classrooms as their documented peers um, at the University of Georgia, which is mm-hmm. illegal, right? Yeah. So they actually brought the protest to the classroom, and it wasn't just um, saying what they what was wrong, but they were showing what was possible, mm-hmm. right? By having a class. And that class was actually taught by Lonnie King, who was the chair of the Atlanta Student Movement and helped with the desegregation mm-hmm. efforts in 1960 and 61, right? Yeah. So he said he was there for round two, <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. Um, yeah. And he's in his late 70s and was our guest lecturer that day for that class. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really important day for wow. Freedom University in terms of a major shift in yeah. our direct action planning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the Board of Regents, with whom you've had
0: to deal on several occasions, mm-hmm. is not making that... You know, really blatant, uh, obvious connection mm-hmm. between what their predecessors were doing in the fifties and sixties, yep. and into the seventies somewhat. So, <laughs> it's never today. really it's never really changed. <laughs> it it's just stopped. transformed.
2: Yeah, it never ended. Um, and I think it's important to note that um, the policies regarding undocumented student access to higher education in Georgia, specifically the Georgia Board of Regents Policy Four One Six and Four Three Four, that these were. Um, passed in uh, 2010 and went into effect in 2011 on the 50th anniversary of the desegregation of UGA. right? Mm-hmm. And the five universities under policy 416, such as UGA, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, all of these universities also banned black students in 1960. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there is a history of people being banned, people of color being banned from these Georgia public universities. And that mm-hmm. historical connection um, is is important for the public to understand but mm-hmm. for students it is a source of strength to a lot of people learn about the civil oh, rights yeah. movement they hear about male leaders generally and not students who are on the front lines mm-hmm. right of, yeah. of the freedom rides of the sit-ins and teaching that history at freedom U is really important
0: yeah so in the connection with freedom summer and the freedom schools citizenship schools so I need to write a letter to my congressman I'm hearing Representative John Lewis. Um, what are some talking points for my letter that Freedom University would like um, to get forward? Yeah, that is forward. a good point. <laughs> because, well, he's failed on uh, just a few occasions. I mean, given, you know, we're in Georgia, it's sort of, you, you kind of get um, um, not paying attention with him, because he's, you know, right on a lot of issues. But uh, he's he misses a few beats in this, this may be
2: one of them Um, I think it's we shouldn't just name John Lewis for example this is the Georgia Board of Regents (laughs) right this is the governor this is the entire system that runs on undocumented labor and maintaining a cheap labor supply by Mm -hmm. banning people from higher education so um, there's many levels that need to change from private university policies Mm -hmm. in Georgia to lifting the bans in Georgia um, to comprehensive federal immigration reform right Mm -hmm. Um, and and so there's a lot of work to do. Um, but do you guys want to talk about um, talking points in terms of these bans in Georgia, about why they might be bad or why they should be changed? Um, and, and also, if you could
0: talk about sanctuary campuses and, <laughs> yes. and what that really means uh, in Georgia.
4: Yeah. Well, also will start with the talking points. I think you mm-hmm. mentioned something earlier about um, how they, they don't see the connections between what was happening then and what the legislators at that time were doing and mm-hmm. what they're doing now. Um, and I think that's something that's important to point out to um, to to the people who are in power now. Um, I think it was uh, Charles Black. Um, mm-hmm. He said something about there's there's no there's no benefit to society from keeping a group of people uneducated unless you want to like use them for something like labor or or basically that's it, labor. yeah. Um, and and I think it's it's something that they did with the slaves, it's something that they're doing with undocumented people now, um, and I think the most important thing to do is to, to point it out to them and show them that they're on, on the wrong side of history um, and they're just on the wrong side of, of humanity, on, mm-hmm. of human rights. Um,
2: yeah. Talking things? M'lady.
4: Or sanctuary
1: I think Rafa covers it pretty well. Uh, I think uh, Charles Black called it a brain drain. He's, but George Mm. is basically forcing um, undocumented students out, and a lot of the undocumented students are highly intelligent. Mm I mean, they work very hard in school. They're very hard workers generally. And now they're forced to go out of state and get an education out of state and maybe live out of state and make a profit for that state instead of Georgia. And I just wish that they would see that even though they think they're helping the state money-wise,
3: they're actually taking money away from the state. Yeah. And then they have a program where they're trying to get 250,000 um, college graduates, mm-hmm. what is it called? This Governor
2: Deal's program, he has a goal for 2020 of having more graduates in Georgia. But mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense when you're banning highly qualified young people. There's estimates that 5,000 undocumented students graduate Georgia high schools every year. So if yes. you want to increase um, yeah. <laughs> attendance at Georgia public universities, banning people probably isn't in your best interest, right?
3: Exactly. Yeah. And they're letting students from out-of-state, neighboring out-of-state um get in-state tuition when undocumented students here are paying taxes and not being allowed to go to to these higher education institutions. Mm -hmm. It's just,
2: it doesn't make sense. But But Milady made a good point about the economics as well. Mm -hmm. Um, One myth that's really important to know for a lot of people who might not know about this issue is that undocumented immigrants pay taxes. Yeah. Right? So so the Georgia Board of Regents passed this policy saying that undocumented students... Um, shouldn't have access to higher education because it will be a burden on Georgia taxpayers mm. It's very important to know that undocumented immigrants and undocumented students are Georgia taxpayers. Yeah, right? The Georgia Budget and Policy Institute found in 2012 that undocumented immigrants contributed more than 352 million dollars into this into the state tax system, right? So they're actually paying and by paying out-of-state tuition rates um, at many public universities other than those top five, Mm -hmm. they're actually subsidizing the education of people they went to kindergarten with. Right? right. And so not only are they not a burden on Georgia taxpayers, they're subsidizing Georgia taxpayers and receiving Mm -hmm. none of the benefits. So it is a system of exploitation Mm -hmm. based on people's misconceptions of who undocumented people are. Mm -hmm. And an important part, a second bullet point that I would note is that this is bad economic public policy. Under federal law, since 1982, with the Plyler v. Doe Supreme Court case, like you mentioned,
3: mm-hmm.
2: people in the United States, regardless of where they're born, their religion, their race, their citizenship status, have the right to free K-12 through public education. And that was ruled based on the idea that education is a public good. Everybody benefits when mm-hmm. we have an educated populace. But that ruling did not apply to public universities. Right? And so Georgia taxpayers... Pay more than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to educate someone from kindergarten through twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. It is bad fiscal policy to then ban them from college. Yeah. Right when the cure for cancer, the next poet mm-hmm. laureate, right teachers, they are in the minds of undocumented young people. Right. And yeah. it is a burden to our society to to arbitrarily ban people from higher education. Mm-hmm. Yeah
4: yeah I want to touch on that on the financial aspect as well um, from the perspective of an undocumented person Mm -hmm. Um, I think I think that's important to just reiterate that um, I've been in Georgia public schools since first grade Mm -hmm. Um, I received (laughs) all of my education here Um, and so now I'm barred from some of the top public universities and um, as a Georgia taxpayer as a small business owner, mm-hmm. I think it's easier for someone in my shoes to move out of state, take my work, my labor, my taxes, um, and invest them in another state um, that is more friendly to people who are in my in my position. Um, and just like like Emigo um, was saying, uh, from from a financial perspective, that's just a waste of an investment that you made into a student into a person
0: yeah so it's South Carolina Georgia Alabama Mm -hmm. are the three states states. that have an admissions
2: ban of some kind
0: yeah and and Georgia may be uh, even worse given the other connecting pieces Mm -hmm. such as um, the School for the Americas which Mm -hmm. has a new longer hard to say name (laughs) on purpose or something and um, you know we're paramilitary and um, Central South America are trained, mm-hmm. and then uh, the Stewart Detention Center yep. um, in Southwest Georgia, remote part of the state, mm-hmm. right? Um, so just the whole system that underpins this yep. is so thick, absolutely, um, and you're you know kind of forging away, um, you know, for not just. Uh, you're raising awareness, not just around education, but mm-hmm. the whole thing around immigrant. The whole system. Yeah, the whole That's system is there. Well, you've, um, we can get back to some of this. There's so much to talk about <laughs> uh, because this is such important. Um, there's so many important things that y'all are doing, but you mentioned the arts mm-hmm. um, and the, uh, how the arts can be transformative um, in terms of puppets and photography and poetry could you talk a little bit more about that in your classes and, mm-hmm. and then you know, other ways you've um, been able to connect the arts to social change?
4: Why don't you start as my lady, and I'll go after you.
1: Um, I think I will start only because one of those classes made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I guess it's, as, as we said at the beginning, it's different being in a room of people whose struggles are very similar to yours. Mm-hmm because it's no longer kind of like empathy it's like no I'm Mm -hmm. there so when you feel you're not just feeling for you you're feeling for them you feel Mm -hmm. for each other so imagine that poetry is already (laughs) such an emotional art and then you stick all of our struggles behind that poetry and it's it's different the different is the best word (laughs) I can use to describe it emotional Mm -hmm. definitely
0: so you're, you know, an embodied education, mm-hmm. right? Embodied learning, head, heart, hands, feet, mm-hmm. everything.
4: Yeah, um, and then I think another powerful aspect to poetry, uh, and any other art form really, um, is is what you can do with it when you've been silenced your whole life. Mm-hmm. As yeah. as undocumented people, um, we we're pretty much living in the shadows, in hiding most of our lives. You know, we we go to school uh, a lot of us have to like find awkward ways is the best way I can phrase it awkward ways of, of working and of finding work because um, we don't have social security numbers we don't have um, we don't have a lot of things that that are necessary for something like that driver's um, licenses, yeah drivers license yeah, everything um, and, and so we're uh, oftentimes silenced uh, as undocumented people mm-hmm. um, and, and the world just happens to us. And so to walk into a class um, like poetry um, and to be told that our voices are important um, and, and our voices are actually um, what is um, igniting this movement um, and what's pushing all of this forward is very, very powerful. Um, to be able to write a piece of work um, directed towards your oppressors, you know, towards the people keeping you from being educated, and then and then also to write a piece of work, um, like in in gratitude to the people who stand behind you and who help you and who teach you and allow you to grow, um, and then write a piece of work sometimes for yourself or for the people that are with you in your mm-hmm. same shoes, um, to to let people know that they're not alone, uh, that we stand together, mm-hmm. and, and, and how important solidarity is in, in our movements. Uh, I think poetry is very powerful uh, for people in our, in our shoes and for anyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Can I talk a little bit about the history of art at Freedom U? That yes, might make please. sense. Um, so we didn't really talk about the history very much, um, but Freedom U was founded with the intention of not lasting very long. Um, it was founded by four women professors in 2011 Mm -hmm. Um, and so at that time it was one three-hour class um, Mm -hmm. and the class changed every couple months um, and it was taught by the four founders um, and the classes included things like um, revolutionary Mexican history, um, Mm -hmm. Latinidad and um, Latinx culture um, Mm -hmm. but uh, when I started teaching in 2013, I started teaching a human rights class, and mm-hmm. I come from um, a movement tradition. Um, everything I know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I learned with the Coalition of Immokalee Workers, a yeah. farm work organization in South Florida, and that's where I met um, puppeteers, um, people who founded Low Power Radio, where yeah. like people's voices could actually be heard and how you could educate even among a literate population. And so arts were very central to the organizing model of farm workers. And and when I um, when the four founders left in 2014 um, it was that model that organizing model um, of um, liberatory education um, but also through the arts um, yeah. was really important in in how as the director and I guess the last teacher standing um, mm-hmm. I it was really important to me that arts classes were central to freedom you mm-hmm. um, and so in 2014 the fall of 2014, we expanded it to four um, our 15-minute classes um, that also prepared students for you know, a wide variety of classes as if I'm um, preparing them for college, right? But arts were central to that. Um, so now we have kind of a core consciousness-raising class, like a border studies or human rights course. Um, mm-hmm. We have CLEP courses, um, which are similar to the advanced placement program, where students can take an exam at the end and get college credits, mm-hmm. even though Freedom U isn't accredited. Um, we provide that option of having a, it's $80 for an exam to get college credits mm-hmm. and so those classes are like in biology, chemistry, French, American government um, and then we have um, classes in the arts so mm-hmm. this year we had um, graphic design and poetry um, in the spring semester we've also had um, music courses, theater, um, photography, photography yeah. right um, yeah. and and I I'm I'm almost speechless, like hearing the impact it's having on students' lives too, but mm-hmm. that education isn't the only thing we do at Freedom U2, it's also about empowerment, it's also about expression, yeah. right, and being able to express that consciousness, right, and to be able to express yourself in in a protest, right, that mm-hmm. it's your words, it's your stories, so it's not even stepping out of the shadows and living in the sunlight, but it's also mm-hmm. that silence you know mm-hmm. and then coming out and using your own voice um, and and that's what the arts allow it for
0: yeah back to that butterfly mm-hmm. image mm-hmm. right yeah. that it just opens up and exactly flies right
1: I think it's really important to note though that you never understand how much learning does go into arts mm-hmm. like, a lot of people knock the arts and say oh no <laughs> we need to do better things with our time more rigorous mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. but uh-huh. still there's so much learning that you do about yourself Mm -hmm. about empathy Mm -hmm. about other people and i think Mm -hmm. that's why having arts at freedom university makes sense Mm -hmm. because you do require a certain level of strength and empathy in order to go through with some of the actions that we do so i think it really prepares you for it it prepares Mm -hmm. you for that that jump that you do into like the social movement aspect Mm -hmm. of freedom university
2: um Mm -hmm. but when i look at milady i i she joined in january of this year um and so what's awesome to see is how fast um, students come out of their shells when they're in a safe learning environment right yeah um but milady i think after four weeks of being at freedom you participated in a direct action Mm -hmm. right it was valentine's day at the board of regents um and milady made valentine's along with other students To the board of regents, right? Handmade valentines cards, right? Mm -hmm. Of poems, love letters to them, asking for their empathy. um, That even if you ban us, we we still love you, and I hope Mm -hmm. you can see our humanity, right? Um, But during that action, we had six professors um, stand in the front of the class um, and say. Yeah, oh, <laughs> commencement regalia. So, like the velvet um, hats and stripes. Um, and we walked in, and I was one of the six professors, and mm-hmm. students and student co conspirators from mm-hmm. Georgia State and Emory were in the back. Um, and the s- teachers said, My name is, um, I am a teacher, and I love these students. Yeah. And while we were saying this, Milady handed out Valentine's, and two other students. Handed out carnations, um, and I think even chocolates <laughs> um, as a yeah. message um, to to the board of regents. But that art actually played a role in that in that action, as well as the butterfly wings, um, as well as um, uh, poetry. Right, um, mm-hmm. that we're actually using art in our actions as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. justice
4: is what love looks like in public. Yeah, I a quote
2: from it... Cornell West was the theme of that action. Yeah,
4: mm-hmm. it was beautiful.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So what's up next with the arts at Freedom University? 2017-18. <laughs>
2: so we're actually. Um, so what's what I love about Freedom U is that students actually decide the classes. So um, mm-hmm. maybe hmm. talk the a little last, bit more about that. Yeah.
0: through The
2: process. Um, so for example, um, for our fall classes, we had um, uh, everyone in the class had a dialogue about, you know. The classes that they enjoyed that year that semester Mm -hmm. what they wanted to improve what classes that they wanted right Um, And so we had this big whiteboard (laughs) we just threw ideas right um and kind of consolidated some what were the most important we only have you know four hours four time periods Um, Mm -hmm. we can't have 16 classes unfortunately Mm -hmm. Um, but we're going to try something new based on student input um this year um Mm -hmm. i think we're going to be having our standard Um, Sunday afternoon classes and we meet only on Sundays because most of our students work full-time jobs or multiple jobs and Sunday is the only consistent day that they can take off of work Um, so we're going to have our standard Sunday classes but we're going to also have a Wednesday night art class um, because arts also require a lot of setup and sharing um, it's hard to do in 75 minutes right so hopefully we're going to have a three hour Wednesday night arts and leadership class Mm -hmm. um, and so Freedom me is not going to be like eight hours spread out over Sundays and Wednesday evenings. But we just, we had a dialogue about what we really wanted um, our classroom to look like um, this upcoming fall 2017. And it's going to be um, more arts-based and for its own dedicated day. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think we decided on poetry again, but with creative writing, because my lady shared with me also that, you know, she's interested in writing um, short stories, plays, yeah. right, and using... Creative writing beyond poetry as well, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, also uh, visual arts. So people said that they want to learn like drawing and painting and photography. So we'll probably have a visual arts and creative writing um, block on Wednesdays. So we're really excited about that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So the curriculum is determined by the students. Yes. And for the students,
2: my job is just finding crazy teachers (laughs) (laughs) who can. the process.
0: Space, how you go about uh, finding? Yeah, so Adi Smith
2: has been in many locations, um, and since we we move every year um, for the mm-hmm. safety of our students, and mm-hmm. always trying to find a place that is most importantly safe, um, mm-hmm. a place conducive to teaching, <laughs> mm-hmm. which hasn't always been the case. But you know, mm-hmm. AV um, chairs, desks. Yeah. Um, you'd be surprised how hard it is to find it and something we can afford, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. So you have to rent space? Yeah. Um, so it, the first two years was in Athens, and that's where Freedom Me was started. Um, and it was at a community center there. Um, and then we moved in 2013 partially um, to the King Center. Um, and then that spring of 2014, when Adisbeth first came to class, I remember the first day you came to class. Mm-hmm. I think that was like <laughs> March 26th, because I'm creepy. 2014 is when I first <laughs> met Adisbeth. Um, but that spring of 2014 is when we moved full time to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, and fall of 2014, we were at an environmental um, organization space, um, and then we moved to Wonderroot, um, yeah. which is a community arts organization. Mm-hmm. They um, I, I, I feel comfortable saying it. They only charge us $125 for the whole year. Yeah, right. It was very generous, and they had our backs, mm-hmm. um, and Sundays were closed, and so they opened it up just for Freedom U, wow. and we're there for a year and a half. Um, and the heating and air conditioning, <laughs> they have not always <laughs> worked. Yeah. Sometimes we would be like in coats or, <laughs> or tank tops, depending on the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it was a really, really welcoming space, and... Mm-hmm. This is the first time I'm saying it out loud, but this last year we were actually at Emory University. Yeah. Um, and and mm-hmm. it's ironic because Emory failed to declare itself <laughs> a sanctuary campus this year, yeah. um, even with pressure from um, undocumented students on their campus, from um, mm-hmm. professors, 220 plus professors signed a petition urging Emory to declare itself a oh. sanctuary, um, but it refused to. Um, but what's ironic, of course, is that they were already a sanctuary. Freedom U yeah. was meeting at Emory this whole last year um at Centro Latino um and it was just a wonderful space um with movable couches so you could have these big circles <laughs> yeah. and discussions um and, and and they still charged you no oh good yep um so good. Emory was also important because students were on a college campus for the mm-hmm. first time and so I loved seeing them walking across campus on a Sunday (laughs) going from class to class while in the news people were saying Emory's not going to be a sanctuary and I was like Mm -hmm. teehee. So they were learning in classrooms at Emory and but I think it was important because students could actually imagine themselves on a college campus Mm -hmm. right be in classrooms um, be at a prestigious university and imagine themselves there like oh yeah oh I got (laughs) this right. You can
1: technically say I'm attending classes at, at Emory. Emory. <laughs> That's
2: right, right. And so, um, you know, we that that building is being bulldozed um, for for various reasons um, mm-hmm. to build a more fancy, probably marble building at Emory, a new mm-hmm. student center. Um, but we are now moving again, um, and we are actually debating um, whether or not to be public about where we meet, um, um, because even though it's important, pivotal that we the classroom is safe. It is also giving legitimacy to this idea that our underground university is underground because what we are doing is wrong. Um, and so maybe if we are public, um, it yeah. might even be more revolutionary. Being like, "What? We're literally having class." <laughs> what you got? <laughs> <laughs> you <get me. laughs> yeah. um, and and so you know, debating being public, having security, mm-hmm. um, and it's it says everything about the state of Georgia, right? That we are. In 2017, having classes underground. Um, mm. That in 2017, guns are allowed on campuses, but not undocumented students. Yeah. right. This is where we are. Priorities. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that says everything. Um, but you know, these—it's an exciting time, you know, as well. Um, even though it's very dark and a lot of people don't have hope, that undocumented young people, um, teachers, volunteer drivers. We're fighting back um, by building the alternative. We're banned from school, great, we're going to build our own, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think that's a message for any type of movement, any type of community. Um, If your mosque is banned, build your own, right? Um, If something else is banned, do it anyway, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That is what freedom is. Um, And that's maybe why we're called Freedom (laughs) (laughs) you. Great, thanks. And also because we have a great yeah. acronym that never gets old. I know. Which is. And you have t-shirts? Yep. Yes. So we walk around with big FU Georgia t-shirts. Love it, <laughs> love it. It's kind of our armor as well. <laughs> love it. So the coalitions that you've built have been mm-hmm. really
0: important to maintaining sanity and the movement, right? Mm-hmm. So could you talk a little bit about the coalition building and who your allies are and your partners in crime?
2: Partners in crime. Our co-conspirators. Do you guys want to talk about it? How do you speak? I guess I can start by saying our most important co-conspirators are um, the teachers. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are at universities that undocumented students, so what they're doing yeah. is risking their jobs sometimes, right? So we had mm-hmm. the chair of the Geosciences Department of GSU teach chemistry mm-hmm. this year. We had professors from Emory, from yeah. Morehouse, from Tech, right? Um, and so, you know, recognizing mm-hmm. that they're risking a lot by teaching at Freedom U2. Yeah. Um, but we also have this network of volunteer drivers that I don't think gets enough love. <laughs> <laughs> um, but people, um, anyone with a license, Um, And we do little background checks, too, to make sure that they can be, that they're safe. Um, But a lot of students um, that I've heard from students, one of the most difficult things about being undocumented is feeling of isolation, like emotional isolation, but also Mm. just physical isolation of having very little options for transportation, right? So one of the biggest barriers for students to attend Freedom U is getting to class, right? So... Yeah. We actually have a network of volunteer drivers. Audie's Beth is actually the uh, volunteer <laughs> driver coordinator. Um, so she works mm-hmm. with a lot of the, the volunteers who literally take off hours of their day on Sunday to drive an hour and a half away, pick up a student, drive them to class, wait, drive them back yeah. home, and then drive to their home, right? Um, and they do this as volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a huge commitment, um, but provides a sense of... Um, safety and trust for undocumented students that someone is willing mm-hmm. to come and pick me up and make sure I get to class safely, right? Yeah. So maybe that's not the definition of coalition, but that these are the community members mm-hmm. that um, make Freedom you possible. Um, but um, as Audience Beth can share, two our biggest allies are students um, mm-hmm. at universities, not yeah. only in Georgia, but across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the most insidious parts of this ban is that it's... Tearing students apart, right? Like actually creating this idea that documented and undocumented are very different types of students, right? But they should be in the same classroom learning together, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why our protests actually show that um, they should be in the same classrooms, and and I think it has a larger structural, systemic implication when you're tearing students apart from the classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Thurgood Marshall once said. Um, if our students, if young people can't learn together, how can they possibly live together, right? Yeah. And and so I think that in terms of what this means for the future is that we're going to have future leaders if we, we have segregation in higher education, leaders who are going to be in Congress um, and state legislatures who have never interacted with an undocumented person, haven't learned from them in their classrooms. Yeah. It's much easier to discriminate against them.
0: That concludes part one of our interview with Freedom University, Georgia. Stay tuned for part two of our conversation.